Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and today I'm going to look at uh, the uh, Indian Army, or the British uh, Imperial Indian Army, uh, during the First World War, particularly during its um, placement in uh, Sinai and Suez uh, to defend uh, Britain's uh, investment in the Suez Canal from the Ottoman Empire uh, in 1914, one of the first objectives of the Ottoman Empire uh, as directed by Germany, its German ally, was the seizure of Suez. Um, today I'm looking at Neil Faulkner's history of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia's war, uh, in which he starts off by discussing uh, the uh, Indian army. Um, along the 100-mile uh, Suez Canal, stretch of the canal, from Port Said uh, and Suez, um, about 30,000 soldiers primarily Indian, um, which uh, comprised 24 battalions of infantry, a cavalry brigade, a camel corps, and four batteries of artillery. So it's not, not a huge number of troops. Um, some of the gunners were Egyptian, but nearly all the soldiers were of the Indian army. And they had been sent to Egypt to replace the uh, European troops, the uh, British troops, um, who had been there, uh, really, since the uh, decision to annex Egypt in uh, 1882. British troops were sent back to uh, Europe, to, to France, to fight on the Western Front. Um, and the newly arrived troops who remained in Cairo were uh, there uh, with um, New Zealand and Australian soldiers, a small number of British troops as well. Um, and it took uh, a short while for um, Indian soldiers to become uh, acclimatised to the desert, just as it had taken um, a period of time for uh, European soldiers uh, in order to um, uh, become acclimatised. Generally, um, uh, white soldiers, Australians um, and um, uh, New Zealanders and uh, British soldiers were kept closer to Cairo because they were uh, going to be used uh, against any potential uprising of the Egyptians. 
It was widely understood by British imperial administrators that an army with a large number of Muslim soldiers might not react very well to the task of uh, brutally suppressing uh, other Muslims, particularly those like themselves who had been colonised by, uh, by the British. The British had basically found it difficult to defend Sinai, so they withdrew behind the canal and were treating the canal as a defensive line. Um, so the British thinking was perhaps that the canal itself might be compromised. It might be difficult to sail ships down there, but at the very least, Egypt would not fall. The canal was 34 feet deep, uh, 100 yards wide, and had 30-foot-high banks um, at, uh, along most of the canal. So this meant that it was a, a kind of a hugely uh, useful strategic position. Uh, along two-thirds of its length, uh, effective assault was impossible because there were also lakes there too. The 25-mile uh, northern sector between Portside and Kantara um, ran along the eastern lake edge of Lake Menzala. And Menzala would have effectively trapped any attackers that had actually made it uh, across the canal. Along the Suez Canal was Ismailia, um, which was the central... A coordinating transport and water supply hub for the entirety of the British defence system and it was here that the Ottomans planned to uh, attack in early February. Uh, 13,000 soldiers, uh, Ottoman soldiers, uh, launched themselves at Ismailia knowing that this would break the British defences. And the, the, the curious thing, and it says an awful lot about uh, the, a clash of empires, and the imperial soldiers that you find on either side, is that this battle was fought on one side by um, conscript Arab peasants, led by Turks, often from the villages of Syria or Mesopotamia. Um, the defenders were Punjabi, Rajput and Gurkha regulars from northern India. Um, the Indians were volunteers, but they were fighting a white European war. They were far from home. Um, and the, uh, Arabs, uh, the Arab soldiers on the other side were conscripts. And it was a battle that the British couldn't afford to lose. As Suez was the uh, narrowest part of the uh, route that the British had from their Asian colonies to Great Britain. Um, the government of India, just as it did in the Second World War, uh, during the First World War, declared war unilaterally um, and uh, without any meaningful um, support base from the Indian population. 300 million Indian subjects at the time were introduced to a war that had no bearing upon them, no bearing upon their lives whatsoever, um, the origins of which were a mystery to many. Um, the origins of the war, um, the Balkan origins of the war, were often a mystery to many white British people, uh, let alone um, people of colonial subjects on the far side of the world. Um, allegiance was offered from various uh, official um, uh, bodies across um, British colonial India. And uh, John Buchan, the uh, spy novelist, imperialist and wartime propagandist, wrote that um, the imperial mission um, received a boost as India 
took the world by surprise and thrilled every British heart with its uh, runaway support for this, uh, this conflict. Of course, this was really not the case. Um, there was significant enthusiasm for uh, the various Maharajas and the, uh, uh, the heads of the uh, princely uh, estates across India who um, offered troops, territory and private jewels and wealth in order to um, finance the war. Uh, much of it is obviously a, a drop in the ocean. Uh, the Maharaja of Rewa um, is a, a clear example. Uh, he wrote a letter to the Viceroy saying, What order has my king for me? Most Indians um, knew very little about the war and had um, very little interest in the small towns and villages uh, across India. And for colonial administrators who knew local populations and were um, intimately engaged with them, this was a good thing. The less that um, the uh, poor Indian peasantry engaged with politics and engaged with uh, significant uh, mass movements and changes outside their personal experience, so much the better, thought um, uh, many of the uh, colonial administrators in hill stations uh, across India. The 1857 mutiny, for example, still cast a long shadow in the uh, uh, fearful British colonial imagination. Therefore, indifference and ignorance were the uh, ideal situation as far as the, the British were concerned for most Indians. The war uh, produced some strange if and slightly unexpected results among uh, India's nationalists. Um, uh, Mohandas Gandhi, for example, urged support for the war. However, he, he urged support for the war on the basis that military service would demonstrate to the British uh, a degree of good faith, and it would qualify Indians for national independence. The war, therefore, perhaps rather naively, he thought, was the means by which India would gain its um, kind of maturity within the British Empire, and that there would be have to be sacrifice in order for that to happen. There were radicals, on the other hand, who saw this as uh, Britain's crisis and India's opportunity, India's chance to uh, put immense pressure on Britain during the war uh, to bring about uh, rapid independence. The Congress Party, who were the uh, party of India's bourgeoisie, um, they were the progressive nationalists who since 1885 had urged a gradual uh, reform and a gradual move towards uh, self-governance um, at various different stages, um, began to see um, the war as a kind of a, a changing, a pivotal moment. And that's because the Congress Party had become a mass movement. The, the membership had begun to swell in the first decades of the 20th century, and as something transforms from being a polite party of the, the middle classes to a mass movement, new voices and uh, a new radicalism uh, pour in. Neil Faulkner writes, In 1907, a combination of state interference in the freedom of the universities and a decision to partition the ancient province of Bengal gave rise to a wave of nationalist agitation 
causing Congress to split into moderate and radical wings, the former still seeking to negotiate change, the latter calling for immediate action. Rash Bihari Bose uh, emerged as a leading advocate of the propaganda of the deed, arguing that the commission of outrages would trigger a strong desire among the masses for open revolution. So this, you, it was kind of transplanted almost from Bakuninist kind of anarchist ideas that um, had pretty much failed across Europe uh, in the decade before, the two decades before the First World War. The idea being that um, if one uh, committed acts of terror, the shooting of government officials, that sort of thing, uh, then what would happen as a result is that the government would crack down, and that crackdown uh, would awaken the masses um, and suddenly politically educate them in a way that actually revolutionary parties couldn't do, uh, and give them uh, the insight that the state was oppressive, particularly the colonial state, and that revolution was the only answer. It was a way of, of kick-starting uh, things. So, a series of terrorist attacks culminated in an attempt on the life of the British Viceroy, Lord Hardinge, in December 1912. Hardinge and his wife were riding on a ceremonial elephant in a procession through the streets to mark the transfer of the imperial capital from Calcutta to New Delhi. A homemade bomb was hurled at their howrah, uh, howdah, which exploded behind them. Hardinge was injured and much, um, across much of his back by fragments of metal. The gang of three assassins were later hunted, later hunted down and executed. So this um, upsurge in radical nationalism comes a couple of years before the First World War um, and interestingly rather mirrors the move towards a civil war in Ireland. Uh, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Through the same time. Um, it was centered in Bengal and Punjab, um, and but by the outbreak of the war, the primary um, sort of uh, focus, the primary nexus of terrorist activities was the Gadar Party, which was uh, a network of revolutionary groups 
um, that was uh, associated with a newspaper that was smuggled into the country. Um, Hardinge, um, who obviously had views on this, having been almost assassinated, uh, believed that there was a, a conspiracy present to overthrow the Raj, and he was right, it wasn't necessarily a particularly uh, coherent or particularly well-planned one. But he accused the uh, plotters of trying to create chaos in India and suspected that uh, German conspirators might be uh, involved. And that's not um, out with the bounds of possibility. Of course, there were German agents in India at the time and German agents had been involved in uh, Ireland uh, trying to foment revolt. But then again, it's the sort of thing that imperial powers were doing to one another with a, um, a degree of regularity. Um, before and during the, the First World War. The British were obviously uh, acutely aware of the, the fear of um, uh, Indian um, nationalist revolt um, and during the First World War um, they were uh, determined to try to limit the, that possibility as, as much as possible. Um, the uh, last great crisis of the Raj had obviously been in 1857 um, and the following year the uh, Government of India Act had been passed in which um, the control of India passed directly from the um, East India Company that was ruling as a proxy for the British to the British government itself. Um, the creation of an Indian army in this context is a very, very interesting one. The Indian Army, which by 1914 wasn't so much a national army uh, as a kind of almost, a, a, as um, Neil Faulkner puts it, an anti-national army. Uh, it was uh, a, a mercenary army uh, that had been um, trained, that had then been transformed into an army which was there really to control not just India but uh, the rest of Britain's colonies in Southeast Asia and was controlled itself by having a, a, a white European officer corps um, that meant that uh, it, were, it remained strictly under the control not of India, but of Great Britain. The proportion of British troops serving in India had uh, been increased from 1 in 6 to 1 in 3 after 1857, and the standard, the standard pattern was uh, to brigade one British battalion with three Indian. The establishment of British officers in a typical Indian battalion had been raised to 12, and Indian officers rarely served above the level of platoon command. All field artillery was kept in British hands, only mounted guns were served by Indian crews. Thus were the guardians guarded, for the loyalty of the Indian sepoy, a mercenary and foreign colonial service could never be taken for granted. And the, the fact of the matter is that loyalty was guaranteed, for the most part, by offering better wages than the Indian sepoy would normally have received uh, in their home province uh, doing other work. Recruitment itself was restricted to a tenth of the population uh, that was thought to comprise the martial races. And so um, the 150,000 soldiers of the Indian army in 1914 and the 1 1.3 million who served overseas during the war were recruited from about a pool of about 3 million young men from the uh, villages of northern India. Um, the regiments that were formed 
uh, from these uh, volunteers uh, were bound together through religion, caste, solidarity and feudal loyalty. Um, the sepoy was motivated by also, not just by the wages they paid, but a strong sense of personal honour and pride um, by bonds of comradeship with the men who were often relatives and neighbours. Um, George V told a batch of Indian soldiers that you will be the first Indian soldiers of the King Emperor who will have the honour of showing that the sons of India have lost none of their ancient martial instincts. In battle, you will remember that your religions enjoin on you that to give your life, doing your duty, is the highest reward. You will fight for your King Emperor and your faith so that history will record the doings of India's sons and your children will proudly tell of the deeds of their fathers. And Neil Faulkner sums it up uh, magnificently with this paragraph. Thus were the pomp and mysticism of medieval India reconfigured to serve a modern capitalist empire. The Indian army sepoy was a traditional warrior dressed in khaki and armed with a magazine rifle. Behind the facade, the Raj was about profit and power. Early 20th century India was a primary market for British industry. It absorbed 10% of British overseas investments and almost half of the output of its cotton mills. And as the original workshop of the world lost its lead to newly rising industrial powers, India loomed ever larger in the calculations of British statesmen. As long as we rule India, we are the greatest power in the world, claimed Lord Curzon, the Indian Viceroy, in 1901. If we lose it, we shall drop state straight away to a third-rate power. And this is why there were large numbers of Indian soldiers lining the Suez Canal uh, on its western banks in 1914. It was about the preservation of Egypt the, as a British colony, the preservation of the Suez Canal and that vital waterway to India. And as the British uh, world financial power shrank, that um, imperial asset became ever more important. Normally, uh, British Indian soldiers would be used for frontier defence and for internal security, for putting down riots and for making sure that there was no encroachment from Afghanistan, um, particularly on the northwest frontier. So the... Um, Use of Indian soldiers as part of a, a foreign expeditionary force, particularly to the Middle East, and particularly to defend the British Empire far beyond the confines of India, was a relatively new event. The British had used Indian soldiers throughout Southeast Asia uh, over the previous couple of decades to deal with um, trouble in um, Malaya or in Singapore, or in China, but for the most part, um, the uh, defence of India itself from external and internal opposition was the, the, the prime role of the British Indian Army. The Great Game, the long-run uh, espionage war uh, fought against the uh, Russians in the Himalayas um, to prevent... Uh, Russian agents from finding routes into India or from turning um, key uh, uh, allies and satellite states uh, against the British um, had focused uh, attention by the British uh, Indian Army on the northwest frontier 
Um, much of the great game, something of a fiction, really. Uh, it makes far more exciting to read um, uh, material to read about in Rudyard Kipling than the actual reality um, of it. Um, however, once the the great game uh, came to an end, um, the uh, focus of the British Army in India uh, began to change. So, uh, in 1902, when the British formed uh, an alliance with Japan and the Japanese inflicted a huge defeat on the Russians um, in 1904-1905, which led to a revolution which almost uh, uh, got rid of the Tsar, um, forced um, the Russians to uh, really ignore differences um, over Afghanistan. Um, and to uh, look to far uh, more serious threats on either side, uh, Japan on one side and and Germany on the other, and to really uh, be far more accommodating uh, with the British. Uh, This meant that uh, internal security in the defence of the empire became a a paramount role for the British Army of India. But in addition to that, being ready to serve overseas and serve in the defence of the British Empire um, became um, it's a new part of the um, Army of India's uh, remit. As we see with the use of Chinese labour during the war, uh, British imperial administrators were very good with transferring man- or seeing manpower as a transferable asset uh, wherever it can be sent uh, around the, uh, the, the, the empire or indeed around the world. Indian military manpower would be a valuable asset in the First World War and an even more valuable asset in the Second World War, so much so that arguably uh, Britain uh, might not have been able to uh, engage in many of the campaigns that it successfully engaged in in Italy and North Africa during the Second World War, uh, might not even have been able to uh, present itself as one of the, the three great powers uh, without at least two million soldiers uh, under arms during the Second World War, and which is only about 700,000 more than the British Army had during the First World War. Um, so in order for this to happen, the British had to carefully manage the um, expectations, the religious um, sensibilities, the politics the demands, the uh, pay and terms and conditions and treatment of British Indian soldiers uh, during the the First World War, um, many of whom were uh, engaged with nationalist politics, some who uh, viewed their oath of loyalty to um, the the emperor, the king emperor of the British Empire, uh, as a matter of, uh, of immense pride, and some of whom saw the way in which they were treated during the war, and particularly the way in which India um, was treated during the war, as evidence that Britain's time in India had come to an end. Anyway, on the subject of things coming to an end, so does this podcast, so I'm going to finish here, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.